0: Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Can you still be fulfilled at 40? Without the partner, without the children, the career, or the beautiful home, all in the picture. Failure at
1: 40 interviews, debates, and discusses the reality of turning 40.
2: If you're really about loving that person, adjust, be flexible, communicate, have a meeting of minds. Failure at 40. We are supposed to have our relationships work. There has to be a baseline level of respect. And I don't think that that is a thing that exists in our relationships now. Failure at 40.
0: Failure at 40 challenges the notion of failure and redefines what success looks like to you. Who says if you haven't reached all of your goals by 40 that you are not a success? Failure at 40 interviews, debates and discusses the reality of turning 40 in modern Britain. Welcome. Welcome to failure at failure at failure hi guys welcome back to failure at 40 i'm winnie the producer and i'm showing the life code and today we are speaking to rafat side rafat turned 40 this year he's from south london he's got two boys he's currently dating and he's a personal trainer welcome to the show rafat thank you for joining us hi rafat thank you for joining us today
2: hi how's it going
1: Fine, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. So, in fact, tell us a little bit about your early years. Where are you from? You know, background, siblings. Where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your early life.
2: Okay, well, um, I was raised in Clapham Junction. Uh, Spent a good part of my life there. Uh, Moved to Tootin um, and uh, went to secondary school in Tootin. Uh, and bevin um, and then moved from there went, went to university went to university in um Hertfordshire, studied multimedia technology so long ago i can't remember uh, multimedia technology and then basically just like yeah hit real life it was very interesting after that because you kind of you kind of get set up to think like okay you know what after you've done your degree, especially being Ghanaian. So that's where you're from. So originally you're from Ghana. That's right. And, um, you know, you're told, after exams, get your degree, the whole world will open up to you. So the whole world will open up. You're like, oh, okay. So the degree, they rubbish the degree. (laughs) You just got to kind of make your way through life. And it's like, okay, wow. Um, And adulthood really starts. So like, I, I, it's all kind of a blur until you you get your degree and then you have to live real life. And what did you think
1: about your transition from, from, from school to college to university? I mean, what was happening for you in those eight years?
2: Do you know what? It's mad. Like, you're kind of in a bubble and the bubble grows bigger and bigger, but you're still in a bubble. Um, so, like... When my primary school was across the road from where I used to live, because um, I lived not far from in Stanley Estate in, um, in, in Battersea, um, and my school, literally, I, could, I, I was walking to school from a very young age, because it was literally down the road from where I lived. How young young? About six, Five, six I think. Seven, Yeah, okay, something like okay. that. Which um, was kind
1: of normal. Back in the day, people were going
2: to school, walking to school, uh, it, was in, it was normal. I mean, we're gonna sound we're going to sound really old, but you know, back in the day, it's not like now, is <laughs> it? It's just not. And the thing is, when you look at, back at what was happening during those times, there's dangerous times, still, you know. But yet, still, there was a sense of community. Like you, you could play out those those days. You would play out until the lights, the the street lights come on, and you know that's time to go home. And you know you can't misbehave in the area because before you know it someone will not listen that that addict is so true you know i i did something i can't remember what it was i don't know whether it was like said something wrong to somebody or whatever it is in one part of the estate. By the time I got home, my parents knew. This is before mobile phones. This I'm kind sorry, of trickery is, is, is unheard of. I don't yeah, understand trickery. what people talked about. <laughs> like, it, was, it was real. Like, well, that was the normal code. Of, that was the code of the street. That was the yeah, real That's of the, the real code of the street. And, and you, you were on your P's and Q's for true because you just... Mm-mm. You know, I do actually try and remember when
1: did playing out stop. Because there was a time when playing out has just disappeared. It's like a, a, you know, like a myth almost that children just
2: don't play out. Do you, Do you know what? I think it's when um, the government started to cut back on youth centres and you know extracurricular activities for um, for the youth. I can't remember GL, G, GLC. GL. I can't remember the, the TRC. The, Training Resource Centre. No, no, no. The great, great the and Councils, wasn't it? Oh, GLC. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. And they, they, for my school, they put on. They paid for somebody to teach us things like drumming and steel pan and stuff like that. Um, they paid for a music teacher, and then when they disbanded it, whenever it was, the music teacher disappeared, and we lost that part of our youth. And and when you know, when people ask what music, musical instruments, um, do you play? It, I, I think back to those times because anything that I said, you know, I, I would like to give um have a go at. I was in there, do you know what I mean? Um, and I think it was then. I think it was then because I, I, I was definitely a latchkey kid, play center. Do you know what I mean? Like after school, straight to play center. Um, you know, it, 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 I don't. I don't even think my brother, who's thirteen years younger than me, I don't even think he remembers or had the experience of going to play centre and and stuff like that.
1: You're right, they were a big part of the community, and I can see how um, the decline in them has impacted, you know, where children are, how children meet each other, how they congregate or don't congregate now, and what they are
2: doing in place of those things. Definitely. Um, I can't, I don't remember, I know we're going to put it down to, like, technology and the rise of technology and the availability to young people, but... Young people now don't, do not socialise, even when in groups the same way that we did when we were younger. Do you get what I mean? Like, you, I, I remember just going out into the estate and seeing people in the park playing football and it, it will be on. It just, it's just as simple as that. Um, I, don't see the, I don't see it being the same. I don't.
0: And everywhere you go on estates the now, there's no ball games and there's no spaces for kids to be kicking balls around or, or any spaces
2: for them to, to speak. I mean, they used to say the same thing when when we were younger, but we still played ball. And if we got told off for doing it, we had to venture playground behind um, behind where I lived. And you go venture playground, and you're there until and you had I don't know I don't know who were they volunteers, social workers. I don't know who they were, but youth workers would be there. Yeah, you youth know, work, they're workers. They're just there, just like out there being being a child. Do you know what I mean? And when placing when placing when um, adventure playground was over, you're still linking up and saying yeah come let's carry on doing whatever until it got into it's time to go home it's time to go home and then you do the same thing tomorrow
1: yeah and that's how they built friendships right that's how you built these friendships that's right relationships first girlfriends whatever you're linking up i go to this school that school especially on the states i guess so i definitely do want to know a, a little bit about how life was for you growing up i mean were you sort of are you the eldest child middle child that we're how
2: how did things work in your world well, I was the eldest child, eldest of two, later on three. It was it was interesting. It was very interesting. Um yeah, just like feeling the pressure of being the 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 guinea pig almost. Because again, from a Ghanaian perspective, the eldest is the leader. The eldest is the one that sets the example, the eldest is the you know, whatever whatever you do, you know, whatever you do, you'll you'll your brothers will follow. So you have to, you know, be serious about your studies. So everything, you can't, you can't, I didn't have the same kind of um, experience as my West Indian counterparts, do you know what I mean? Whereas you could go to school and why I I admired about, about my West Indian counterparts is that their child could be in trouble but there's times where, where they questioned the, um, the teachers. They would question the teachers. They'd be like, that'll sound right. No, 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 no. Not my parents, though. My parents, whatever the teacher says is, is, is standard. It's gold. It's like, it's gospel. So you're on your P's and Q's. You really are. And I couldn't get into half the trouble that my brothers later on got into. Um, but I mean, I mean, all in all, it was, it, was, it was interesting. I was quite a, I was a bit of a geeky child. Very slim, very shy. You know what I mean? Um, not, I shouldn't say very shy. I was, just, I, I was just slim and just, what they were, what, what were classified on the streets as a good boy.
1: Was that a facade? Was that a facade or was that actually truth,
2: true to a form? No, that was truth. That was truth because I needed somewhere to live. Yeah. <laughs> let's not play these games (laughs) let's let's not play these games yeah one too many one too many phone calls home and I could be homeless I could be one of those children you know what I mean we have three million homeless children on the streets of London I could be one of those children don't play no games
0: do you think um, part of the pressure of being the oldest did you did you find that you felt like okay I have to I have to behave I have to be a good boy
2: yeah, but you know what? Part of part, it made it easier because I liked school. I actually enjoyed the stuff that they did at school. It was just like every day, what are we did? What are we doing? Yeah, I, I can't understand. When people say, oh, I didn't really like school, i like, what? We get to write a story? Yeah, I'm, I'm down. What? We get to pay a picture? Okay, let's go. Um, and that carried on all the way through secondary school as well. Like, secondary school wasn't, people used to complain. For what? For why? Like, I'm doing different. Geography. Oh, I can't say geography. What? We're learning about sedimentary and um, metamorphic rock. Let's go. I'm in. What? Different colours? Let's go. Like kind of I no, I, like I wasn't the same as everybody else. So I've, i I guess that's where the kind of um geeky persona came into it because learning was part and parcel of of growing. I, I enjoyed it. I really did. I really talked to it. Um so you know, being good, so to speak, wasn't difficult because school was, school was life. Just get on with that, and then afterwards, let's do whatever. And in
1: terms of your heritage and your culture, was that embedded earlier on, or did you develop that as you go? Because obviously, we know you're gone. Ghana- are you Ghanaian born, or are you born in the UK? I'm
2: born here, unfortunately.
1: Okay. Mm, these things happen. But I, I guess, um <laughs> But I'm just wondering how, how solidified was your culture in you growing up, or was that developed as you got older?
2: No, it was. It, no, it was. It was. It was there from day dot. I can't even pretend like my parents were very much. They spoke language at home. They spoke about the because we're guards as well. So we're not like the the trees that you might hear or um, Ashanti people that are quite um, prevalent here. So they would speak about our culture what we should do, what was proper, what was improper. And then like from eighty eight, so from the age from age eight, I was going back to Ghana. And it was just like coke shop blam. You're going home and you're taking a bath outside with a faucet, naked, people walking past like it's nothing. You're like Morning. What? Yeah, they're just like, hello. (laughs) Walking real slowly. And then you're like, hold on a second, these people can see me. They don't care. Like, okay, what's going on? And then seeing seeing the, the fruits of the, le- um the the things that my parents used to talk about, like, oh, you know, one day we want to go home and build a house, seeing them build a the house from scratch. Do you know what I mean? And then seeing it year by year, every time we go, or oh, every two years when we're going back, we're seeing this house build up into, you know, the property that we live in now. Um, And it was, it was interesting, you know, get, bump into cu- cousins that don't really speak English because it's a second language. Um, And then, finding that fine line because I although I understood my language, it's I think many Ghanaians, especially Ghans, they can understand it but they can't speak it. And that confidence of speaking it comes from a cultural misunderstanding. So whenever you would speak it, your relatives would laugh at you. You bring you being brought up here, you're thinking I've done something wrong or this is shameful. But as I've grown older, I've realised that they think it's cute. You're, you're speaking the language, but with a very thick English accent. So they think, oh, it looks, it's cute and sweet. But that does that, never. Oh, look at him. <laughs> you're trying. Oh, you're <laughs> trying. Oh, you're trying. That's it. Oh, you're trying. Well don't done. Try. You're <laughs> trying. Um, and you, you kind of, you, you misunderstand it. So then you get this kind of, I don't even know how to exp- You get this complex about speaking. Well, you can hear everything you understand everything but then speaking you don't have the confidence and so you got. and i i know that there's a, a generation of um british bonganians especially that can hear the language like almost perfectly but speaking it doesn't doesn't come doesn't come but yeah like being the mutes going back home and listen to people try and sell you down the road and you're saying my friend it's not that kind of party they're like oh oh Sorry, oh, I didn't mean we don't know what I meant,
1: and I guess that's the same in if coming to the u k isn't it you know people from back home getting things not said in the same sort of way, or maybe saying different things, calling everybody she, you know kind of thing, so
2: yeah, you know being that kind of that kind of um person that's in between cultures, you kind of have an appreciation as to how difficult it is for someone coming from back home over here um and and almost like an admiration because. If I could speak Gar as well as they could speak their English, I'd be going far in life. I think, you know what I mean. So I don't. Although you know, you find it cute as they do, and you do whatever. But you had there's a grudging, you know, respect for them coming to a completely different country and just you know, doing what they can. Yeah, it's nice. It humbles you. Especially where they're coming from somewhere where they can probably speak five different languages
0: from the country that they're from. And we can't even learn one confidently enough
2: to speak right. it. And I think there's, there's, there's an element of like arrogance that comes with being English. Like, because English is spoken across the world, you just kind of think to yourself, I don't really have to make the effort. It's only when you travel you realize that actually you're quite ignorant. It's, it's it's an it's arrogance. You're quite ignorant because you get to certain places and you're like, oh, I can't. It, and nothing brings that home more than when you go to the the um you know when you go to Africa, when you go to any country in Africa, they speak they're they're multilingual. They can speak more than one um more than one language, one more than one dialect. They will sell you if you're not careful. If they're ready, they no, they, they, <laughs> without you knowing. That, you know people realise that I understand God they'll, speak, they'll switch the tree, no problems because they know that <laughs> this guy's going to struggle and then when they do it I'm like oh it's a problem hearing <laughs> my mom and then, and, then seeing your, and then seeing your parents and then seeing how like dynamic they are because they come here, oh hello, how are you? They're very humble, they go back home, suddenly they've got bass in their chest because they're speaking two, three different languages, mum knows five languages, I think I think, and my mom's half Nigerian. You have to understand this. So like, if she, anyway, you don't, anyway, you're humbled. You come back humble. You come back humble, proper. And so you kind of look at, that's when you you start realizing, no, there's, there's a bigger world out there than what's here, what's in London furthermore. Do you know what I mean? You start to realize, okay, I need to get my travel on. I need to, you know, focus on, having the keys to those cultures and understanding different languages and, you know, stuff like that. Perspective, isn't it? Exactly, yeah.
1: So in fact, what would you say some of the, the challenges and obstacles have been in your life that you've probably had to overcome? And that could be whatever, anything.
2: You know what? It's having, it's, it's having a um, understanding of self-worth outside of the material things that you can bring you know my dad's my dad was very much a man's man and he, he, he used to say to me like you know what you must be able to provide and protect for your family in in the ways that he would say do you know what i mean but when i as i'm um, growing up i realized that this man worked hard my my parents worked hard i can't both of them by the time i was born my mum and my dad were working three jobs so at three. My dad was doing three. mum's doing two, and they were studying to do their accountancy. That level of grind—I don't care what no one says—that level of grind is hard to come by these days. Even
0: more so when you're our age and you realise what you have to deal with at a certain yeah, age and take that's on right. all those jobs, be studying, have kids. Like I can't even fathom how our generation would get get on
2: and then and then add and then throw into the mix. You're going to a country where it's not your first language, and not just not just communicating, but then the cultural isms that come with being in that in that um, in that country. And on top of that, you're coming in the '80s, where um, what is it? Racism is 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 is, pre- is 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 out there. It's prevalent. you know what I mean, it's rife, um, and you you have to deal with all these things. Being a freshie, so to speak. Having a, I don't know, one-year-old at home that's just doing whatever and then having another child on top of that and they're grinding, like, I I respect it.
0: And not having a family set up that they've just left
2: in Africa where they would have had, like, a whole community
0: of people who would pick up their children whenever they're not around and feed their kids and bath their kids to come here and not know anyone and have to do all this by themselves top of everything
2: else they're dealing with. I mean, you look at that and... But then you go back, I go back to, again, the community. I, I remember in my block of flats, Pentaforne House, there were just Ghanians on every floor. And so for some reason or another, I don't know what happened. Maybe they saw each other and they looked and they said, mm, that guy's a Ghanian. You know, go and talk to them. And then all of a sudden, there's this bond. So I have aunties and uncles that confuse me because I'm not re- I'm not related to them at all. The only relation was the fact that, that they're Ghanian. Do you know what I mean? And I'd be going to their house if my mom and dad weren't around. There's this story, yeah? Uh, <laughs> My dad taught me how to ride a bike. He didn't really teach me. <laughs> he rather took me to the park and said, ride. <laughs> and then when I did not ride, he beat me. <laughs> and, and then he'll get frustrated because I'll get frustrated. So he got frustrated and then I'd go back home. He said, I'm going to take you to the park again. You don't have to ride the bike. And I'd be like, Done. no, 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 no. <laughs> so that it, it's a wrap. So then I'm practicing at home, right? And I've balanced this bike without the stabilizers against the, And I'm pedaling backwards so that I can try and get this balance. And then I'm like, no, 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 I can get this. So I had to convince my dad to take me to the park again. And he, ref, he, he was reluctant to take me to the park. And then when I finally convinced him to take me to the park, or well, maybe my mum did, I don't know, maybe she moaned him. And he took me to the park. I've jumped to my bike. Shoot, I'm off. Like people might hear that and they'll be like, "Bro, oh, that was that's child abuse, fam." Like, what's 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 going on? But when I look back, and I think, "Oh, my dad was really upset." No, nah, this guy had lack of sleep. He was going from one job to the next, studying, and then there's little me like, dad, park, and he's like, "Fam, sleep," <laughs> and he does sleep. But he's but he's you know, getting his teeth and then getting on with what he needs to get on with.
1: That's what I was going to say to you about the difference about now and and then in that particular time is that I think this is a sweeping statement that people are less likely to sacrifice as much um, of their own time, their own lives, what's going on for themselves as I think they were then. I think they were willing to sacrifice everything to achieve what they needed to achieve. Um, I think a lot more parents nowadays will also want to have their own life a little bit. They will want to still do a few. They want to have maybe a nice car, maybe some nice shoes. They want to look good. All of these sorts of things, you know, that that wasn't happening then.
2: No, it wasn't. It wasn't. And I think um, there was a doesn't urgency to kind of be successful here so that they could build a better life back home. You know, this this wasn't ever supposed to be a permanent stay. This was supposed to be temporary. We've got a timeline. Maybe the timeline was five years, 10 years. Maybe it was until the children finished school, whether, whether that be primary school, secondary school, whatever it is, but there's a timeline and then we're out. Um, only to realise that, you know, life kind of pulls you in, um, you know, and you get, yeah, You you have these commitments that just hold you to this place um, and, you know, again, when you look at your parents, from when they when they had the energy to grind to when they get into their later um, years of their life, you kind of see, like, the kind of fire disappear from their eyes because they've done what they need to... They've, they've tried to achieve what they need to achieve, but at what cost? Because they're still here, and now they're here for so long. Back home doesn't even feel like back home. Everyone's either here, or back home is so... Like it's just so foreign to them now because they've been here for so long, but they don't belong here, you know. It's that kind of thing. And watching my dad, especially, Paul, just grind. The man is a, was a workhorse. It was a workhorse. Do you know what I mean? He he worked all hours that he possibly could to give us the life that he thought that we should have. It was it was it's humbling. Do you know what I mean? Um, But then I kind of I kind of think to myself, okay. I picked that up. I understood that, you know, the grind is worth, it's worth doing the grind for your, for your children. Uh, it's worth doing. But then I also realized that, you know, there were times where my dad was a footballer. Definitely. Um, he managed the team and he played for a team. Um, and he, he loves football all up until now. Um, and I remember sitting next to him, um, asking him to explain football to me and he didn't do it. Um, and I, Honestly, for the for the young for the younger part of my life, I was quite resentful because football was a thing when you're growing up as a young man. Do you know what I mean? It's the main sport that you play in the playground, and I thought, oh, if my dad only spent some time with me, I could pick up some tips from him, and I'll be a better footballer than what I am now, and blah blah blah. Not realizing that my man's grinding. Do you know what I mean? He's tired. So, you know, but that comes with that comes with age and reflection.
1: So I guess on the point of reflection, what, how did what you l- you learn and what you saw and what you observed feeding to what you expected for
2: yourself at forty? I kind of, I I remember being um, eighteen and having this, no sorry maybe a bit younger having this viewpoint. By the time I'm like twenty one, because twenty one was old, yeah. By the time I'm twenty one, I'm gonna be six foot six i gonna be married with two children and I'm going to earn about 200,000 pounds a year, because, but only work six, foot six, six months of the year. Six foot six. Six, six, because you know, that's a sexy height. <laughs> I don't know why I had it in my head, but that's what, that's what I, I said, I'm going to be this tall and blah, blah, blah. And I'm only going to work six months of the year because I want to spend the time with my children. That was the aim because I saw the fact that, you know, my birthday's in May, end of May. Um, exams for the ACCA were always in the end of May. So I hardly celebrated my birthday because my parents were always doing their exams. You know what I mean? And I understood, no, they're grinding. That's no, cool. I've, I've seen them throughout the year, just sitting there stressing and they're both, they're both can't. So they're both trying to get um, each other through it. So there's arguments over how, um, what is it? how stressed they are, how tired they are, whether or not this question can be answered this way or that way. I've, I've seen it all. Do you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm there in admiration. Like they're, they're answering the exams, but my birthday doesn't really matter. But then I look back at my friends and they can flick through pictures. You know, I, I know you're not old enough. Remember when McDonald's birthday parties were the lick? I had one. I had, I had one. I, I had only one, but that was the best birthday party ever. Like everyone comes to McDonald's, and you know, what they make the V. And I was like, yeah, cool. This is, this is what I'm after. Like this, I want one every year. I didn't get one of year. I got one once. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's that it's um, it's that kind of it's that kind of it. You you understand what they did, you understand, and you you respect them for it. But you kind of wish that they spent a bit more time. And for me, it was like it's kind of like for me, it's like okay, I want to spend time with my children. I want to have that quality time. I still want to grind. I still want to give them the best that they can, but. I still want to have that time to pass on the gems that are stuck up here and see them have a hands-on to helping them grow into the adults that they should be.
0: What did you think you'd be spending that six months of the year working on? Did you aspire to be an accountant at all after seeing your parents go through that?
2: No, I actually wanted to do something completely different, forget that, too many exams, too much stress. I wanted to do something else. I wanted to be a marine biologist at one point because David A Atenborough is a done. Do you know <laughs> I mean? Like he he narrates everybody's dream life. I wanna swim in oceans and and, and look at and, and research and do whatever. And then I was like, I don't know how much money those people make, so I decided to go into computers. Um and I wanted to go into programming or something, earn the money and then just like work on projects, finish the projects and then have that Hollywood lifestyle where well, you know, we we're saying, Okay, come kids, we're going camping. Yay! And then you go camping <laughs> and you're you're out in I don't know why everything looks like in America, but it was all like you're gonna go and go camping with the with the um what is it, the mountains in the background and in the woods, and whatever it is, you just tell stories, whatever it's and be like, Dad, this is the best summer ever and you'd be like, That's right. Like yeah, that kind those, of thing. Those
1: those dreams they kept selling us, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely.
1: <laughs> and were you
2: able to achieve the things that you wanted? And what, and if you did it, what were the challenges? Well, firstly, I didn't earn two hundred thousand pounds a year; I earned considerably less. Um, you know, my 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 dream setup was not my dream setup. Do you know what I mean? I, I've I've got um two g- children from two different relationships, so I spend most of my time. Um, bringing those children together spending time with them together but still having to grind still having to earn money Um, I also wanted to study because I realised that okay you can work in the system you can work the system requires you to work um, go to school get an education work have children get married have children and die Um, but then being black regardless of where you're from you realise that that's not your reality. And then I realized that, you know, I have been sold a dream. This is not how real life goes. I need to ha- know the ins and outs so that I can teach my children, like, okay, although this is what they're selling you, this is how it really is. This is how you navigate life to get the best out of it. Um, and only while studying did I realize that I knew so little. So I dedicated a lot of my time to understanding that. Um, and subsequently, I lost. A lot of time with my children do you know what I mean um not only with them being ge- geographically apart but the time was spent like just trying to catch up on things that maybe I should have learned in an earlier life um yeah it, it's 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 tricky and how much has how much has
1: teaching your children about what it's like being be, are your children black can I ask yes are they yeah. okay alright um how, how how tricky has it been teaching them how to survive in in Britain London as a black man as black boys how how have you navigated that
2: I don't know if I've successfully navigated it but they're both 10 so it's um it's tricky because especially as they're not once in the London once out of London so they have different experiences um you know, their their mothers are of different mindsets as well. So one's very much like, okay, well, you work hard and you get through life. Another one's like, the, the system is pit against you. You need to just be armed with different stuff. So their experiences differ, their temperaments differ. So now teaching them certain things, there's certain things they warm to and certain things they just they just don't get, they just don't, they just don't pick up straight away. And it's like, I didn't expect it to be like that. I expected everyone to be on the same, the same level because daddy said so. So it would be like, yeah, we're good. But no, they're they're individuals in their own right. So they warm to things quicker than, than their brother. One warms to things quicker than their brother does. And some people retain, one of them retains things better than the other one does. And whatever it is, it's a challenge. It's very challenging. I guess as they get
1: older, they they're going to come up against different challenges that they pose to you at different times because they are different people anyway.
2: That's you right. know Yeah.
1: yeah very yeah. interesting, actually. And and what would you say was difficult about navigating having, um, two children, different parts of you know the country, let's say, and and dealing with sort of um not just parenting but also relationships and co-parenting.
2: Timetables. It's mad. Like, you have your own schedule, and you're respectful to the fact that there are, there are different things happening in your absence. So you just having, you know, you me just getting up and saying, oh, yeah, okay, this weekend I'd like to bring the boys together. Even, okay, in two weeks' time I'd like to bring the boys together. Oh, we say it's a scheduling nightmare. You have the idea, you call one and say, okay, it's such and such ready. Yeah, okay, I can make him ready or whatever. call cool, the other one It's such and such ready. No, it's his cousin's birthday this weekend. You can't do it. One moment, go back to the other one say, okay, right. It's such and such a birthday, but can we change it so that we can do whatever? No, 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 because we're going away that weekend. Okay, then, cool. So let's move that on and whatever it is, okay? And then, you know, you have your own things that come, um, that come up as well. It's mad.
1: And what do you think some of the challenges are for fathers trying to make that happen for children, even if you just had one child, but two children, or let's say even three, and then maybe you're not getting on with one mum and maybe
2: getting on with the other mum. You have to understand that your feelings come dead last. You take a lot of L's to make sure that things can run the best way for your children. And if someone's in their feelings and they decide that, you know what, there is really no reason for you to, to, to not have your child. But you know, I just don't feel like it right now. You piss me off from whenever. You, you, have, to, you have to be very um, diplomatic in the way that you're supposed to, supposed to be doing whatever. Very calm, centered, and put your feelings to one side. You may have a vision of this happening. It may not happen, but you do the best that you can for your children. So that you can move forward and it's not always you're not always dealing with um with someone that's working with logic sometimes they're working with feeling and that feeling um it can be justified or not justified but it means that subsequently your children have the potential of losing out valuable time with with their dad
1: are you able to understand when one of the mums are talking from a place of feeling and when they're talking from a place of logic. And then how do you manage that while still keeping the law and the land lane nicely?
2: You can, you, can, you can understand it, but it becomes quite frustrating because you hear a lot of talk of, well, I do the best for my child. And you're like, no, you don't. You do the best for you. You need to, there should be a time when you put your feelings aside. That's what I have to do. But you decide that your feelings, you know, come before the child's well-being or what the child should be doing. You can scupper any plans that come through on the basis of what you want to do. And people need to, and I think a lot of women need to be real about that.
0: Failure at 40. Failure at 40. He talks about being calm, diplomatic um, towards the mother of your children in order to kind of get what you need and get to see your sons? Is that something you learned or did it come naturally? And, and what advice would you give to other men who are struggling in that
2: situation right now? I definitely didn't get that right the, the first times around. I definitely had to learn that 100%. Um, you know by dealing with these kinds of situations, you tap into your you have to tap into your manhood. you have to understand that being masculine doesn't always mean being aggressive, finding the inner strength where as mad as you are, don't let anyone know. And I know that, and I, this is not to say that, um, because I'm sure there'll be listeners out there say, but, well, yes, women we do that all the time. yeah. It's it's a different kettle of fish when you are the last person to be considered on certain things. You understand? You are literally you are literally the last person to be considered.
1: Is that almost my, Do you feel that's my default? Like you're the person who's defaulted already as the bad person, bad guy.
2: Do you know what? I'll be I'll be I'll be honest with you. Yeah, even if you were married with um, if you were married to somebody, you would be the last person considered. Because before, you, because above everything else, will come your children, yeah. But then you have to th- you have to think about the feelings of your partner. Um, you have to think about all these other um, people, and rarely do your wants and views rarely are they put to the um, to the forefront. And it's just how I think it's how we view fathers generally in society, right? And I, I remember seeing on, on um, Instagram, there was an advert for Father's Day. And it moved me to tears, actually. It actually did. Because they interviewed fathers and they asked them, talk about your children. They like, can see the light in their eyes. Talk about what you did for their birthday. Oh, I did this. Um, I bought them this. I bought them that. And blah, blah, blah. And this, that, and the other. Um, and then they interviewed the children and asked them, and I had to desist, I did something like that. Then I say, okay, what did you buy your dad for Father's Day? Socks, a tie, a mug, and when you compare it to what they did for their fathers, their fathers did amazing things for them. What they did, they were just like, we "Don't really know what to buy for him," and stuff like that. But the father himself will, the ones that they interviewed anyway, they will. They know their children. They they know their partners. They're invested in knowing how to look after. Had to put, to, put, um, to provide and protect for their, for their family, those who are invested. Do you know what I mean? But when you look at it, and I did it with my dad as well, I, to this day, what do I buy my dad? Would I get him? And it's almost like, there's a big fuss about Mother's Day, big fuss about your mom's birthday. When it comes to that, uh, you know, socks, you'll be all right. Jumper, you'll be all right. Do you know what I mean? You, you're kind of, the man who is out there, who is, um, You know, he's expendable. He's supposed to go out there and go through the trials and tribulations and come back bringing home the bacon for the family. Yeah. There isn't that kind of uh, reverence. Definitely not now in here 2020. There isn't that reverence.
1: Well, I've definitely been hearing a lot about the lost voice of men um, and especially even more so the lost voice of black men. Um, and there being real no space and consideration for them in positive lights, you know, in whatever way you want to kind of look at that. Um, And what do you think about it? Do you think that's something that's
2: happening? Yes. um, Let's get it out of the way. Men, generally speaking, are not the same calibre as the men from back in the day. We have a lot of work to do in regards to making sure that our families the people around us are protected and we step into the, um, the mantle that is given to the man of the house. Do you know what I mean? Even if you don't have a house um, that, you, that you own and you are a man of, you still have, there is a certain uh, way that a man should carry himself to ensure that he is given that respect that, he, that is necessary. However, I want to get that out of the way. However, there is, generally speaking, um, a notion that instantly, when you see black man, you see his waist. Instantly, yeah, you see him. Oh, yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of um, talks. There's a lot of um, rhetoric. Oh, you know, black men are kings and this that, and the other one. Blah blah blah. Let me tell you something for real. Yeah, that's that's rhetoric. And until we actually look into ourselves and heal the hurt that we have within ourselves, the way that we can love ourselves, the way that we should be loved, we're not able to give that. If you're sitting there and saying that black men do not look after or protect or love black women the way the way that they're supposed to, I'd say the same would be street. Um, said. Yeah, yeah. The same would be said for black women in regards to black men. There's a lot of hurt there. There's a lot of disappointment there, whatever it is. Until you heal that hurt... You ain't doing justice to your partner. Sorry, I'm just being ruled by it. So, knowing what you know
1: and saying what you're saying, how has that sort of walked the journey of life with you until you turned forty? I mean, has that changed? Has that those feelings that you have now or those thoughts you have now changed now as a forty-year-old man?
2: I had an I, um, I idealistic way of thinking in regards to how relationships go down. I just thought that you know. I like you like me, it works. You're going to do everything that you can to make sure that this relationship is going to work. What I found is, actually, I'm going to do everything that is, gonna, um, that is going to be necessary. I'm going to jump through hoops. I'm going to um, make sure that you are happy in some way, shape or form. You're going to be happy. You have to, you have to be. If I'm going to get access to you, to your love, to whatever it is, I have to make sure that I'm jumping jump through hoops and prove that I'm that person that's supposed to be there. Cool. But what you find is when you get there, finally, you slayed the dragon. You've done whatever. You've got to the um, the maiden. The maiden is broken. Mm. What's worse is the maiden doesn't even have the um, the notion to reflect on the fact that she's broken. She doesn't have the 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 capacity to do the shadow work to say, you know what, I'm healing. That rather, when you get there, they expect you to put up with their brokenness. Because she is, she is woman. Oh, I'm just here. Love me, but you're broken. Why did I slay the dragon for? And what does, what, is, what does broken mean? I mean, articulate broken. Well, the same way that you expect the man to be the man of the house, but he can't afford anything. He doesn't step up to the plate. He doesn't answer. But he, doesn't, he doesn't speak with his chest. He's not, we are not looking at the men that, um, that of old, as women will complain about. We're also not looking at women of old. And the first thing that women will do is say, oh, you want someone that's going to cook and clean and I'm not that person. No. I want someone that's going to be able to do some self-reflection. I want someone that's going to be humble. I want someone that's going to be able to say, you know what, irrespective of what happens, we're going to move forward. I'm going to do, I'm going to do the work that's necessary for us to move forward. Do you understand? And it's almost like you love me as I am is the, is the mentality that you get from our sisters nowadays. Well, this is how I am. And you're either going to take it or leave it. And even when you approach them and say, listen, the way that it's working, it's not really working for me. Oh, well, you know, like, if you don't like it, you can just leave. Really? What happened to the whole working out things? What happened to the self-reflection? What happened to the, okay, well, my partner is saying this from a place of love. Maybe I need to take that away and think, let me go and work on that. Or even if I can't work on that, I don't know how to do that, babe. Help me. Because that's what we're in a relationship for. And I'm not sure if this has happened to you before, but I've heard it a lot from,
1: from men in general, that women will often, at the drop of a hat, ask men to leave. <laughs> and, always, uh... and, and the thing about it, it kind of feels... <laughs> I just wonder if women understand how painful that can be, those
2: words, to, to a man who's maybe... Can I cut you? Can I cut you? With that, I now understand I have a different mentality, a different understanding as to why men leave. I have a different mentality. And my mentality is like this. It's, it was when I was growing up, it was like the cowards. They should stand there and, and be able to deal with this thing, yeah. And at some time at some points in my life, I'm thinking actually, are they being men? In the sense of what I mean by that is, in the sense of, I will not stand there and have disrespect. I'm going to cut that straight away. What do you mean leave? You realize if you tell me to leave, I will replace you, no problem. I love you. I want this to work. But the way that you're moving, if you think I leave, if I leave, I'm not coming back. You're running the risk, but you're going on like, oh yeah, I'm expecting you, you are the best thing ever. You tell me to leave, and I'm going to keep come running back and jump through the same hoops I've already gone through because you're in the mood. No, 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 it doesn't work that way doesn't work that way so and and it's difficult it's difficult i'm a person that have and raising my children i have received a lot of abuse for how inadequate i have been as a father yeah who, from? a lot of it a lot of from? a lot of criticism from anyone who has
1: an opinion okay and and who gives who who has given others dominion to give
2: opinion on that situation there, there doesn't have to be anyone that gives anyone a dominion. This is a thing. Originally, you think, oh, well, you know, it's the mothers that say X, Y. No, it's not even that. Someone will hear the situation. And they'll say, ah, oh, you must be like this. And they'll give you, they'll give you their opinion as to what they, who gives a damn what you think. You're fast. No one asks you to give your opinion on, on something that you don't um, truly understand. Do you understand? And you, you get it from all sides. And all of these things are an attack, attack on your manhood. If you, a, um, if you have a, if you have a, if you have a disagreement with the mother of your child in front of your child, and she um, displays behaviour that looks to diminish or or um, have an attack on your uh, on your manhood, yeah, on your masculinity, do you stand there and firm it? And if you do, what are you teaching your child? It can be taken in different ways. You're teaching them resilience. You're teaching them that, you know what, at the end of the day, sometimes people are going to talk to you. You don't act emotionally and you decide, decide to go. Or could te- you could teach them, like, you know what, I've set boundaries. You've crossed the line. I'm out. My, my viewpoint changed. Because sometimes, when, sometimes you have to say, you, I've, I've seen relationships. It hasn't happened to me, but I've seen relationships where people will stand there and hold it for their kids. They'll stand and hold abuse that they, they, um, they don't deserve. But because a woman's in their feelings, they spit all, ty- all types of venom at this person because, oh, she's in her feelings. And you'll get, um, you'll get people, um, um, circles, that will enable this kind of behavior. Oh, she's a woman. She's, you know, she's emotional. That's what happens. What happened to them respect? What happened to you understanding that, you know what? as the father of my of my child i need to deal with you in a different way because my child is watching that all goes out the window when you when you um, when you're emotional but when a man has to deal, when a man is in that situation he has to sit there and firm that and then that child grows up and said,
1: this is how relationships go. And what impact does that then have on you, though, in terms of how you develop and how you engage in other people with other relationships going forward?
2: Your expectations? You know what? It, it, it's, I mean, in my journey, it's, I, I've taken some of that vitriol and, and I've kind of expected that. I expected the same kind of reaction from other women that I've gone to, um, gone to date. So if something starts to go that way. I'm thinking, oh, you're like that one which is totally wrong, do you know what I mean? But at the same time, if we all have to do self-reflection, we all have to do that internal work that says to you, you know what, although I feel this way, there's a way that I must conduct myself, and sometimes the way that I come to conduct myself is wrong. It's not, just the, it's not just the men that are sitting there and taking it, oh, man up, man, she's just emotional. That's the wrong way of looking at it. Where's the level of respect where you speak to somebody and say, "Look, listen, my feelings right now. Can we talk about this another time?" Or you know, the thing I said the other uh, other day, I didn't mean it. I, I was I was emotional. Can we talk again about whatever? Obviously, I'm speaking it um, idealistically. You know, there are things in the background that will do um, that will um, affect how you deal with a, uh, with a person. But generally speaking, if we are supposed to have our relationships work. There has to be a baseline level of respect. And I don't think that that is a thing that exists in our relationships now, which is part of the, which has an effect on the men themselves. Because now they're looking at, they, they go from one relation to the next, find the same thing every time. And they're thinking, what's the point? Let me be gallus. you just beating and delete. We just carry on doing whatever I'm doing. Oh, but you're grown. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, what am I jumping through who's for? To get to the same person that refuses to do the work that is necessary for a relationship to flourish?
0: So, in fact, you you had aspirations to be married at 40, back in the day when you looked, and I, and I guess some of the reasons you've just talked about now are uh, why you're not married. How do you feel about not being married at 40? Do you... Feel like you failed in some way? Are you relieved? Are you like... What's
2: your view on yourself? It changes day to day with me. There are days where I feel like I'm a complete failure. Do you know what I mean? There there are days where I'm just like, "How have I not?" Especially being a a Ghanaian man. Do you know what I mean? Oh, but you must be married. So, Rafa, you're not married. Are you gay? Like that kind of them kind of vibes. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm like, okay, what. I look back sometimes. I'm like, you had a near miss, my friend. You've done, you've done all right. That was a blessing that that didn't work. You've done all right still. You know what I mean? But then at the same time, age 40. Yeah. You know, you, you get or approaching forty. I remember there were times where I was just like a, a deep sense of loneliness. You want a partner. You want somebody, you see the values of having a partner and you're like, I want this in my life. I want someone that's going to compliment support and, you know, be there for me and and love me, love me, not expect me to be, you know, almost like a, um, indentured servant for their grandiose needs. I want someone to actually love me. Do you get what I mean? Um, but I still, I still honestly believe that, um, what is it? Being married, to a a black man being married to a black woman is the most revolutionary thing that you can do. I honestly truly believe that because when you look at the kind of struggles that we go through, only we understand each other. Only we have the patience for each other. Only we have that love that is necessary. We're not talking about the Hollywood love. We're not talking about that love that you see on films and TV. You're talking, about, you're talking about that love where you go through things, it's painful, but you love that person. And you know full well, throughout all that pain, there is a gem there, there is a diamond. Do you know what I mean? There is something that needs to be cherished and, and held, held to behold. Do you understand? And you're willing to fight for that. I, I honestly believe that this, this is the kind of love that, that, that we strive for. And this is the kind of love that we should strive for, but it's not easy coming. Stop watching the films, man. It's not that.
1: Yeah, and I think what you talked about earlier was like the evolution of relationships and how it's transformed from what was happening for your parents to now. I think even so much so love's changed and the way that love is probably viewed and the way that what people expect from loving relationships um, and don't expect, you know?
2: I think with relationships now, it's more of a transaction. People go into relationships saying, what can I get from it? What are, you, what are you giving me? What can I get from this relationship? Do you know what I mean? I remember off, off camera, I said, um, you know, I know what I bring to the table. Why are we bringing, what, what are we doing? Bar and trade? Transaction. Do you understand? It's a transaction. And when, when you come especially my sisters, man, they come in with this transactional kind of um, mentality. Oh, but he needs to bring this, 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 and this to get access to this. Okay, cool. So if a man brings this, 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 and this to get access to this, do you know what, that, you know what you're saying subconsciously? He owns it. He owns you. And if you say, he, and if you say like, you must love and obey, my sister would be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> obey who? What are you talking about? Not me. That's just whatever. But if it's a transaction, he owns you. So if he owns you, he's expecting you to do certain bits for as part of that transaction. And if it's not that, rethink how you're looking at the relationship. Rethink how you enter a relationship and what your expectations are. Because my parents were born in the 60s, 50s and 60s. Like I was born in the 80s. It was different up until then. Now 40 years on, it's different now if you're really about loving that person adjust be flexible communicate have a meeting of minds and you know they say and and look in the same direction they say love isn't looking to each other's eyes and look in the same direction look in the same direction and then we'll win we'll move forward we'll have less of these situations that i've experienced and more of the situations that we all want that we all dream of
0: Speaking of dreams, one of your other aspirations was to earn 200k. So um, how's that working out for a personal trainer?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, not as well as I imagined. I, imagine. Do you know what? It's funny, personal training was not my, um, I never thought of me being that kind of person. But I remember a good friend of mine sat me down once. I was doing websites and I was getting a bit, um, disillusioned with doing all this web work and whatever it is. I just like, oh, I don't know. And he said, do you know what? If money was no option, what would you do? And it was weird because I always ask, it's, it's one of my, um, when I go on dates, it's one of, one of my questions I ask, but it was weird to have it asked to me. I was about 37 at this point. I said, what would you do? And I said, I've never thought about it. let go away and think about it. I said, okay, well, my passion is to teach my people how to defend themselves. That is my passion. You know, growing, growing up, going to school in Bevin, you know that every day <laughs> every day anyone that went to Bevin that's listened to this knows, yeah? Every day it could be you. It could be your day. <laughs> could right? be you. It could be you. Like you, it's, it's 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 survival. Do you understand? Um, and you need to have it's not just having physical dexterity, no, you need to have mental and spiritual dexterity because it, these are the days where untouchables and 28s and all manner of bits, people are always connected to somebody. So you could trouble, it be like, what hey, are you talking to? Twos twos now. You've got two BMWs outside waiting for you. Ready to, ready to go for it and down. Go it, it's, it's a problem. And go hard. It's a problem. It's a problem. So you, you, you know, for me, it's always been a case of I'll never be bullied. No one's, ever bullied, no one's ever bullied me. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. If, I, if me that's to um, throw, throw fists until I'm dead, so be it. Yeah? Um, and I realized that many people, they're going to accept a certain way of being um, dealt with just to keep the peace. And I'm like, no. My ancestors never did it. Regardless of what they tell you in the books, just don't do it now. So I looked in. and I said, okay, how is this going to make money? Because, you know, two, 200K, six months. The children. How's it going to make money? And so, like, okay, I don't know any martial artists that are really rich, um, Teaching, but I know PTs out that are. So I decided to go into personal training, and that was a journey within itself. It was a, it was a journey. How long have you been doing it? Um, full-time. This is my fourth year of doing it full-time. Happy doing it? Yeah, actually, I am. I am, actually. Uh, I am happy. Um, I think I'd like my income to be a little bit more. I'm looking at strategies to bring that up. Um, But I realized that everyone that's a PT also has a side hustle because that's their passion. But if you want to make real money, you can do other things. So I've been looking at other things to get that money up. I do want that. I'm at at heart. I like to spoil. If I was to take you out on a date, I'd want to spoil you. I don't want you to put your hand in your pocket. I want you to be like, Oh, for me, I am that kind of guy. So, and I want that for my children as well. Like I want them to kind of say, Daddy, I want this. And be like, oh, off you go, kind of thing. So I'm looking, to get, I'm looking at ways of getting my money up and getting it to the space where I want it to be. It's good now. Could be better.
0: So money and time is still important to you then? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. How do your parents feel about what you're doing? Do they, did they have other aspirations for you?
2: My parents, are the, I wonder if they've really gone in. Because... I hear about Ghanaian parents and how they behave. And my parents, they really try and just allow you to be you. Well, if you're going to do that, as long as you're happy, then it's, it's okay. My dad's maybe a little bit, maybe he'd like me to have a bit more money. You know, start building a house back in Ghana like he did. You know, so he can retire and not worry. But generally speaking, they're just like, look, be, do what you love and be a success at it. The money will come. Do you know what I mean? It's my, it's, it's me, it's my kind of, um, it's my aspirations that are kind of like, okay, it's not, we're not there yet, we're not here yet we're not there yet. Um, but they're, they're just, they're, they're all right. They do come with their little digs every now and again. But outside of that, they just want, they prefer to be happy rather than to be rich.
1: And what do you think happiness looks like to you? How would you articulate that?
2: Spending time with my children. They are the funniest people that I know. Honestly. I know people always gush about their children, but honestly, I sit there sometimes and I'm I'm barely laughing. Um and I just feel like they should, they really should get every opportunity to do whatever they want in life. Um and even sometimes they're gamers like me. But they're gamers, so we can sit down and play computer games. But dad. And they're talking to me, Dad. And guess what? I have got to this level, blah, blah, blah. That quality time is just amazing. Um, but then also teaching them how to defend themselves and teaching them the ins and outs and sharing stories about my experiences and stuff, and then looking at their eyes and they're just like, wow, dad, really? That's that's amazing kind of thing. It's it's, it's those times. And and I realize that I'm privileged. I realise that those, those times are soon to go. They're 10. Uh, very soon they'll be in secondary school. They'll be too cool for school. They, wanna, they won't want to hang around with their dad. My oh, dad is long, man. Now it, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm enjoying the time that I have with them now. Um, and that's happiness to me right now. Do you know what I mean? To see them grow up and to be happy, that would be, that's happiness for me. And I think that's what my parents aspire for and that's what I aspire for.
0: Looking back, what um, would you
2: tell your younger self? What advice would you give your younger self? Oh, bro. Grind. Oh, you didn't? Yeah, you grind enough? I didn't think I grinded, um, grinded enough. I, do you know what? I, I think I'm hard on myself. I, I remember at one point I was working a um, uh, half seven to half six day, travelling for an hour, coming back and doing websites. Um, or learning how to do use 3D Max or programming or whatever it is. So no, I was grinding. I just wish I made more money in my youth. Do you know what I mean? I wish that I, I, I was a bit more. I tried not to appease people and make them happy. Women days. Uh, no, actually, I take that back. People, my parents included, my family the um, you know my 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 partner and your potential partners and concentrated on doing me because success attracts success attracts success. When you're successful all the things that you're looking for, they happen to find you because everyone's gravitating towards, oh that guy's doing all right, let me just go over there. Kind of thing. I wish I knew that. I wish I I knew that you know what I matter. Don't keep you don't have to keep trying to Oh, but as long as she's happy, then it's going to be okay. And, I, and do you know what? Thinking back, my dad is a romantic. He always tried to make my mum happy. And my mom's very stoic. He'll be like, oh, you know, I love you and PDAs, whatever. Oh, leave me alone, kind of thing. You know what I mean? And so I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, well, you know, they, you know, they, they might be shy, but behind closed doors, it, it might be whatever it is. But no, like, bro, you just do you. You do you. Still show those things. But don't be out there trying to be everyone's, you know, dream man. It's not going to work. Do you. And those things will come to you.
1: And what would you say you w- want for yourself in the next 10 years? Where do you see yourself? What's your vision?
2: That's interesting. Life after 50. 50 at 50. Um, I don't know. You know what? With all the things that I've said, and I hope I don't sound too bitter, it's been a, it's been a journey. It's, been, it's had its bittersweet moments, but... It's been a journey. And the next 10 years, like, you know, when you're 20, in your twenty your 20s, you kind of, oh, I need to have this kind of image. And you get to your 30s, you're like, oh box, it's all gone to pot. When you look 40, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> if you thought I was bad, then watch me now. I, I think I'm more I'm more driven to kind of make a change. I think right now they you need you need people that are gonna be like, there isn't there are certain ways that society will tell you to behave. But there are certain ways that I this is how I run things. If you like it, come on board. Do you know what I mean? And if you do right again, people gravitate towards that. So for me, it's now like, okay, I'm 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 about breaking stereotypes, I'm about going against the grain, I'm about doing whatever those things, because now I don't have the insecurities of the twenties or the um kind of hopes and aspirations of the 30s. I'm now like, okay, real life can be whatever you want it to be. Do you get what I mean? You, you can lick 40 and still, um, you know, run three or four businesses. It'll be a harder trick, but if that's what you want, you can have it. Do you know what I mean? You can go back to school and learn something else. You can go and start your own company. You can go and, um, you can change the world. You can. It's not, it's not idealistic to think of that. Seriously, when you know yourself, it's time. And when you, by the time you get to 40, I think I know myself more now than ever before. And now I realise my power and I'm like, you know what? Next 10 years is going to be fire.
1: Yes. Fire. Well, I guess that's probably a a good note to say thank you very much, Mr. Sai. It's been a, a journey with you tonight, I think. And a pleasure.
2: Pleasure having you on. Thank you. It's been it's been nice to share this journey. Uh, I wish I could have done this on my birthday. This would have been a brilliant way of celebrating my birthday.
1: Yeah, we, we appreciate you and your time. We hope you'll come back on and maybe do some follow up conversations with us. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That'd be great. Thank you very, very much for that. Failure at forty. Failure at
0: failure at failure at failure at failure at failure. At- failure, at- failure, at- failure, at- failure. failure.